show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. The electricity here in Columbia well, has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Of the crowd and Wings Price Stadium is second to none. And the rain breaks down in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game! Here are your hosts. J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Bill My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. And Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning and... Welcome aboard and welcome home, of course, inside the Gamecocks, the show, live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barn Dominium Co., the Barndo Co., as they're called, Gamecock owned and operated as low as $160 per square foot. If you'd like to build your dream home with one of the nation's best builders, you can do it if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia or in Tennessee. That's where you want to go. Trust me, if you are in the market or think that you will be at some point in time in the future to build what you want, something that's unique and something that your neighbors will want as well, head to the thebarndominiumco.com. Signorama, of course, is the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. And if you were in Founders Park last night, you once again saw their work as Always, Phil and JB. JC is hoping to get here. Bad news for him. He got a flat tire this morning, so he's trying to get back as soon as he can. We will be joined at 1230 today by Don Ellerby. If you don't know who Don Ellerby is, you're going to learn a lot about her. It's part of our Born to Crow series in collaboration with Michael Haney and his song, as you've often heard on our program, Born to Crow. Don was one of the Gamecocks who was born to do so, as a matter of fact, a former Track and field star at South Carolina. She will be inducted into the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame uh, next Monday alongside who, the gentleman who joined us yesterday, former wide receiver Robert Brooks. And tomorrow we'll be joined by Mark Burson. Don Ellery has a great story. She's an Olympian, amongst other things. And you're, you're going to really like this conversation uh, as well. It'll be something that will be positive and a show that we expect to be fairly negative because last night, Gamecock baseball fell for the fourth straight time and their sixth time in the last eight games as they continue to struggle here as the season uh, starts to kind of wind its way down. Up next, unfortunately, are the Arkansas Razorbacks in Fayetteville, which is not exactly where you want to go to try to get on the rebound. But, Phil, uh, it was um, – yeah, it was it was a bad night for for Carolina baseball. They, I I don't I have not confirmed these numbers. They were sent to me last night, and I just have not had a chance to confirm them. But if they are correct or anywhere near uh, correct, over the last couple of weeks, the starting pitching for South Carolina 
has an ERA of 9.87. I don't uh, doubt that, JB, because you've given up 38 runs over the last four games. You've only scored 17. I differential of 21 runs. Yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's it's not not good. I, and I said starting pitching. Let, let me let me say pitching. Um because uh, James Hicks did not allow a run last night in his start. Dylan Eskew gave up 5 of those. They were all earned in the uh, in the next couple of innings. So yeah, they fall to North Florida. That's their first what you would call bad loss of the year. It comes at a very inopportune time as uh, not long ago, Carolina as a matter of fact, even Yesterday, you could say that South Carolina was still probably considered a top eight national seed. I would almost bet, and we're going to get some D1 baseball projections today, they might still be in there. Um, but but uh, honestly, my prediction on this would be, Phil, if the if the uh, the tournament was unveiled today, Carolina would probably not be a top eight national seed. They would be a regional host, but they still have a lot of work to do to do that. Yeah. Uh, as well, and what just looked like um, what looked like cruise control for for a while for South Carolina. So, yeah, they um, they they just it's pretty it's just pretty cut and dry right now. They they just have to win games, and everything will take care of itself. Um, but um, it's a it's a really really fine line that they're trying to balance with seven remaining regular season ball games to play. Yeah, well, I mean you you're gonna have to. Oh, you had everything in your grasp two weeks ago. You know, it was all right there. The world was your oyster. <laughs> and you have, yeah. you know, by one reason or the other, have frittered away leads, let them get on top of you too early and haven't come back. Uh, you know, just bad time to have a bad stretch. I mean, I know it's baseball and this is the way it goes. And, hey, it could all turn around in Fayetteville. I mean, there's, you know, sure nothing that says it can't. But uh, this team has got to pull itself back together again and, start playing for each other like they were in the beginning of the season or um, or you're going to get a pretty tough draw even if you are hosting a regional. And then if you mm-hmm. make it through that, then you're going to have to go play on the road, which these last few series have shown us have uh, not necessarily meant good things for this baseball team. No, you know, it hasn't. And, and, and look, you know, sometimes when things go bad, it goes bad for everybody. I mean, I was on the phone this morning with a, with a pretty – pretty prominent college baseball coach and we were discussing this and and you know what is it I mean I've seen more of what they have and haven't been doing than than this person has and I said you know it's it's all the things that you need to do that they're not doing I mean they're not they're not pitching well um you know defensively has certainly been a struggle with with all the injuries moving guys around and this that and the other but um but you know so there's not an excuse, but there's some leniency there, I guess, a little bit. Um, you know, they haven't they haven't swung it well when they've needed to. They've needed a couple of big hits here and there, and and just could not get them. The, the majority of the year, Phil, and you pointed this out a lot, and the fact that South Carolina, when another team would would have a good top half or bottom half of the inning, whomever their opponent was, they would respond, and the tide has has turned on that when they respond. They get responded to, and then they just continuously um, aren't able to kind of overcome that. You know, I will, um, I'll say this, and, and I mentioned it this morning again. This guy, you know, he, he said I wholeheartedly agree with you. And if th- there is literally one thing that's going to get them back on track, one, 
they have to have a dude go out and be a dude on the mound on yeah. Friday night, on Saturday, whenever that comes. Hopefully it's Friday night. You you got to have a guy walk out there and throw darts and walk off the mound after seven innings after only giving up a run or two runs. Um, and and provide some type of calm to what's going on. And that, that's the only real way to 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 kind of slow everything down because right now it's really sped up for them. And and I think I saw early in the Nanosports chat box, it might have been Craig that mentioned it, but um, they just don't have a lot of confidence right now. And they might tell you that they do publicly. But I, I understand baseball. You know, when, when you're losing a bunch of games, you do lose confidence. Uh, and and you've got to find that mojo and you got to find a way – to get it back. So who's going to be the guy that gets them back on track? We don't know the starting rotation this weekend. As of now, it's going to be the same. But, again, I still have a hunch that something might change on that front. Yeah, I think at this point you need to tweak it at least, you know, because I mean, goodness knows you've, you've tweaked the infield as much as you can. I mean, I understand a lot of that was out of necessity. But, uh, you know, you're going to have to shake things up in this lineup. Because, I mean, it's not even seven innings, JB. It's like just put together three. Just give them three innings without any runs, <laughs> you know, without putting up six runs, five runs, three runs, you know, give the team a chance because then you're putting them in a hole and, you know, I mean, you would know better than I, but I would imagine if you're staring a, a, a three to nothing, you know, in the second or third inning, you feel an, an immense pressure every time you walk up to the plate to try to get that back. And that can't help <laughs> at all. Not with your mentality, not when you're trying to, you know, dig yourself out of a hole. And now you're, you're compounding it because you've done it now for four straight games and lost. Lost the series the weekend before that. You had one good win against Winthrop, and that was nice, but you couldn't build off of it and have lost anything good that is, you know, that you tried to put together last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and here's the thing. Like, this is a good baseball team. I mean, yeah. we, we, you know – you, yes, it's it's easy to be, as a fan, very frustrated by what we've watched recently. And let's remember, by the way, in those two wins in the last eight games since the Florida series, you know, they didn't score till late against Winthrop, and they and they really struggled to, to beat Auburn, or they would have been swept in that series as well. You know, it was a Will Tippett home run that gave them the boost from the most unlikeliest of offensive sources uh, in the ballgame, or resources, I guess, if you want to say it that way. So, um so, you know, even the wins have, have been a struggle. Now, this time of the year, generally wins are a struggle anyways. But the teams that are beating South Carolina, Carolina has helped them do so. And that, and you, you just cannot beat yourself in this league. You cannot beat yourself uh, in the midweeks. I mean, these midweek games for a lot of these teams, you know, this is where really where they're hanging their hat and, um, and trying to, to, to get some juices flowing. So they're after you. You know, they know what the number is beside your name. Carolina, as of, as of last night, was number six in the country. You know, and you just can't help them. You just can't help them. I think with all of this said, here's the thing. Like, this uh, – the, the pitching staff, it's been disappointing. Like, I don't know that I, there's a, a better word to use than that. Like, this no, is no. this is the group that you knew, right? Like – we got five or six guys we can start on the weekends, seven maybe. And now two of them are gone, Jerzenbeck and, and Hall. But you still have a bunch of other dudes. And and I think that that is where 
there's really a lot of built-up frustration. And then last night, while the pitching wasn't good, I don't know if you saw the ERAs and the numbers of the guys that North Florida was throwing at them, but there's really no excuses to be, you know, getting quote unquote blown away by 86 mile an hour fastballs. I mean, that's, that's BP, you know, you got to be able to do damage with stuff like that. And they just, they just could not get it done. No, no, it's, it it really was just a a disappointing showing, Uh, you know, call it for what it's worth. It sucked last night (laughs) and, you know, we got to get it turned around or you, you're going to lose all that good you built up. I guess that's the only, the only good thing about it is, you did so well towards the beginning of the season that, you know, some of these slips are not hurting as bad as they could. Uh, but I mean, let's face facts. You, you lost to a bad team last night, one that's mm-hmm. probably not going to make the postseason, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. <laughs> so, yeah, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a good look, especially at home. And uh, just got to hope they can find some mojo going into Fayetteville because Arkansas is not as bad as they were at the beginning of the season. They started slow and and have climbed their way back. And then you got arguably the hottest team in the league coming in to finish the year uh, or to finish the uh, regular season in Tennessee. Fortunately, they don't play very well on the road. And that has held even through their getting hot here. But, man, it's just – it's a little real, real tight and tenuous right now. <laughs> yeah, three of the three of the yeah. last four series for Arkansas, they have swept. The only yeah. one that they didn't win was at Georgia. They were swept in that one, but they swept Tennessee at home. They swept A and M at home, and they went to Mississippi State last weekend and swept the Dogs at Duty Noble. And now they've got South Carolina coming to town. And Arkansas, by the way, is really good at home. They are twenty eight and three at bomb twenty eight and three. It's I think it might be the best record actually in college baseball when it comes to playing at home. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be the the it's actually the second best record. Well, Wake is 27 and 2 at South at home. Here's I guess this is considered more good news for Carolina. Again, they lost, so that's really all that matters, but they did only drop one spot in the RPI and we had mentioned this last week, Phil, and the fact that you were kind of in that time of the year where you're not going to have major drastic changes in the RPI. Um, the way that the metrics work. And so, and of course, with what's left on South Carolina's schedule now beyond what happened last night, there really aren't any bad losses there. But you do have to win games because that's what matters now. You have you have so many teams in your league that are fighting not just for top eight. They're, t- they're fighting for host positions. They're, you got a whole other group that's just fighting to get into the postseason. Carolina, as of now, as in the postseason, I think the only way they wouldn't be, and by the way, this is a reality, this could happen, is if they lost every game from here on out. Um, and if you look at what's left on the schedule, I mean, I hate to even go down that rabbit hole. It's way too dark, but that's possible because the teams that are left are really good. As of today, they're, they're firmly in the postseason, no problems. But when you look around them, Kentucky, LSU, you got Carolina in the mix, you got Arkansas in the mix, you got Vanderbilt in the mix, and you got Florida in the mix. Okay, so... You're talking about six teams that are vying for host positions in some way, shape, or form, whether that's top eight, which secures home field, or whether that's top 16. Uh, as I, I would, I doubt they're going to get six. And they could, but I doubt it. So yeah. you're, you're talking about needing to be one of the top five, and if you want to be in the top eight, more than likely one of the top three. They could get four this year. 
um, in the top eight. They could get four, but they, but they have drastically slipped out of that group. I mean, just uh, uh, even after the Auburn series, losing it, Phil, Carolina was still considered one of the two, if or maybe one of the three SEC teams that that was a home run to be a top eight national seed. Now with these four losses in a row, all that's really in jeopardy. But the baseball team, you know, there shouldn't be any conversations of any of this in their locker room. Just go win games and the rest of it will take care of itself. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, let us, you know, talk about the doom and gloom and, <laughs> you know, all the yeah. speculative stuff that, oh, you're not going to make it or you're at, you're at risk of losing out on not the postseason, but, you know, the opportunities to host and have a, a decent seed. But, um, yeah, the message is, you know, I hate to use it, but so what? Now what is what the mentality inside the locker room needs to be? You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the only way that you're going to be able to bounce back from this is you got to have a short memory. Uh, you got to get on the horse because, you know, you got another big challenge in front of you. And, and, you know, we knew, we all knew going into this season that this league was going to eat itself alive, uh, with some of the best teams in the nation. But you just, you know, you, you got to fight and scrape at this point to end up at the top of that heap. Let's see. In the Nana's Porsche chat box here, uh, <laughs> Rob, uh, good morning. I need some good news on the recruiting trail to make it a good morning. How's everyone else? Well, hopefully there's good news coming on that. We'll see. Um, I'm pretty confident in a couple of things, uh, at least that we're hearing. But um, we should know more in the next uh, few days or so. Craig says, too many le- men left on base again last night, and they have no confidence right now. We had touched on some of that earlier, and and you're right. Clint said, boy, that was rough to watch. It was. Uh, yeah. There's uh, there's there's no question. Um and Craig also went on to say, watch them go sweep, sweep Arkansas. That's about how things go. And that's true. You know, I, again, that was part of the conversation I was having with someone this morning is, you know, you just you wouldn't be shocked to see it. You also wouldn't be shocked to see them go over there and get swept. Um, that's kind of how fragile of a situation it is. Bruin Nation says no excuse to lose to North Florida and give up eight runs, period. You're right. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> there's, um, there's no argument there. Yeah. You can't be giving up eight runs. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly you know, agree with that. Yeah, uh, especially five in the, you know, what? In the second or third? Second inning? Third? Third yeah. inning. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Like, come on, guys. Uh, third inning. Yeah. Um, Craig, we'll come back to uh, what you heard about uh, Diggs on the uh, Bill King show. Um, coming on down, kind of sticking with the theme of baseball here. Um, uh, 76 says, I want to put my face in the fan. <laughs> Baseball is making me crazy. Muschamp likes those types, right? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly what it is. Um, cocky gaming. Good morning. Uh, the reality is the only time that matters is postseason. Obviously, you have to play well enough to get there. But if you're going to get hot, it's during the postseason that you want to. Certainly, uh, a lot of truth in that. Well, it's, it's very true in that, in that statement. Um, but, uh, you know, you also want to make sure you're in the best position you can be. You want to control as much as you can, and they have um, they have slipped there. Uh, Clint says Messina had a rough night at the hot corner. Uh, yeah, he did. You know, that's that's kind of kind of where they are. Um, you know, trying to trying to get it back to where they're at least solid defensively. Craig said, just put Petri on third. Uh, can't be worse. Uh, he can be. I'll leave it at that. Um, Clint said, we've been really bad with two outs offensively and defensively. That's true. And, and Derek pointed this out last night. And so did Tommy, 
You know, that, how many times have they gotten two strikes on a hitter, two outs in the inning, and just can't sew it up? Nope. And, um, yeah, that, that's been – that's been frustrating. That's been frustrating. Mark wants me to put a hat on. Well, I was planning to, and I left it downstairs, and I, and I didn't, I didn't feel like going back down there. So um, <laughs> you'll you'll have to you'll have to deal with my head uh, for a little while if if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Clint said uh, I posted on the Big Spur this morning. The leaders on the team need to have a players only meeting and take some accountability. And and then that's always one thing, you know. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It really depends on what needs to be said and who needs to say it. So um, um, don't have much for you on, on that. Uh, but uh, Clint also said the bases loaded strikeout from Messina when they were down 5-4 to four was deflating. I think he had a 3-0 count, which made it that much worse. And I agree, like Cole Messina has come through in that time, in that in the clutch in those moments so many times this year. And, and you know, you just felt like, he was going to do it again, and uh, and he just couldn't get it done. Um, but um, yeah, Jan no, said horrible RPI hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dan, I, I or Jan, it it actually it actually wasn't. It it only dropped in one spot, but alongside the RPI, it's a quad four loss. So if if you let's say they go play well at Arkansas this weekend, and you know that Jan's a baseball guy, so he knows this, but. Um, if they go play well at Arkansas this weekend, let's say they go win two of three. First of all, they're right back in the thick of it. You've righted the ship, the whole nine yards. Um, let's say they go three and three down the stretch in the league and they finish at 17 and 12. And then you look around and you've got maybe Kentucky who's finished decently well as well, right? Um, so that's where you'll look, you'll start to look at the quad four losses and, and Carolina is 15 and one in the quad four. You know, Kentucky is, is six and zero. Arkansas is ten and two. So then you go to head to head. So right. So when you're, you're battling, my point is, I mean, I could come up with a lot of these examples. The point is, you're going to have a lot of different data points against your peers in your own league. And so when you when you when you get a strike, even with, even though the RPI is really good, when you get that quad four strike late in the season, that could be a determining factor as to whether they take you as the seven seed or or the thirteen seed or whatever it is versus whoever, uh, also in the SEC in trying to balance out the seating. So um, I thought it would be a bigger hit to the RPI. I thought they'd probably fall three or four spots, but they didn't, just one. Good news is they're going to Arkansas, and one win will certainly recover that. But um, point taken, though, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – what do you think about the movement, like putting Cole back behind the plate mid-game? Well, I mean, that, 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 that was – so that was because they pinch hit for French. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you they they, they had to, they didn't have any choice. Uh, French was out of the game, so mm-hmm. they they do that, and then they're able to move Messina back to um, behind the plate, and then uh, who shifted to third? Was it, it uh, Leroy? Lee, Lee third, yeah, yeah. yeah. Leroy <laughs> went to third, and then Tippett actually uh, entered for uh, Denny mm-hmm. um, and played second. So. Yeah, that's you don't have you don't switch. They were they were trying to get a big hit there, and so they went righty lefty with with Caleb Denny, and so French is gone. So who are you going to catch? So you yeah, got to yeah, you got to put your you got to do something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not, that's just baseball. There's not a whole lot to discuss there, but no, yeah. I was just you know at least you're confident enough to to pinch for French in that point. You know, you're confident enough in Lee Croy at that point. I think 
you know, coming off of his injury to where he can play third. That, I, I think that actually bodes well and looks better, uh, you know, for us moving forward with at least uh, from, you know, how Lee Croy's health is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, and I see here, can't, well, I know that's not Mark, but whoever Kingston is, uh, no, French didn't get hurt. He just, he just got pinch hit for, um, he just, uh, he just got pinch hit for. So, um, that's, that's your, um, uh, your response there. Howard has a, has a question and, and this, these are good questions. Why did Kingston change the lineup? Um, well, I mean, for you know, first of all, Leroy's you know getting back and healthy. So you know they got they got they have to have him down the stretch. They they got to get him in the lineup last night. Yeah. Um, you know he's a, he has to play, and then you want Stone back in center and you want Brewer in left. I mean that's your best outfield. Stone hit a home run yesterday on a slider, which was good to see. Uh, Horning got a couple of hits last night, and that was certainly good to see yeah. as well. I mean, Coach Kingston is a guy very very similar to Coach Tanner in, in the fact that he was never. He has never been uh, scared, and I know we got to go to break, Phil. But without a guest in hour one, I've just kind of rambled here. Yeah. Uh, much like Coach Tanner, you know, Coach Kingston has always been, um, always been okay with kind of shifting and changing things around to play the hot hand or to make the lineup better. Coach Tanner, uh, there were some guys who were going to be stalwarts and in, in where they hit in the lineup, and very similar with what you what you what you're getting right right now with coach Kingston, but then there were a lot of other guys who he would move around based on how, how well they were swinging it or sometimes what he would see in BP. Um, so there's, you know, and I think there's two schools of thought with that. I think, I think one, if you feel like that's what's best for the lineup and that's, what's going to, especially if you've been struggling a little bit at the plate or you're just trying to find the best things, the best click, um, that's the way some guys do it. But then there is the other side of things, which is kind of more of the big league approach, where like I don't care how hot you are or how much you're or how much this guy is struggling, you have proven that you're a two hole hitter. You have proven that you're a seven hole hitter. And regardless of what happens, you know whether you're you're in a slump or you're swinging it really well, that's where you're going to hit in the lineup. Period. And some guys are very old fashioned like that. You know, Coach Kingston has never really been like that. So, I mean, I don't want to sit here and try to answer his questions. Just try to give a little, you know, thought into the process of how sometimes these lineups are written. But with all that said, Carolina's in a really unique position, right? And they have been for a while in the fact that they keep getting guys that go down. And so they're having to really plug holes and try, okay, well, we're going to have to play this guy here. But if we hit him in the lineup here, then that means this guy's going to be hitting here. So you – it's kind of been a chess match, and, and it's certainly been difficult. And uh, the ro- results recently, really, of course, you know, they, they haven't been there. So hopefully they can find it. Yeah, yeah. And as you're putting this team back together like it was towards the beginning of the year, there's going to be some adjustment that's going to have to be made. Guys getting back into the swing of, you know, being in the lineup again, A, playing their positions again, you know. I mean, there's, there's a whole, you know, range of things that, you know, just because you're healthy doesn't mean you're, you know, as as locked in as you were right before you got hurt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a challenge right now. There's no doubt. They're searching for answers and hopefully they'll find one uh Friday night in Arkansas. I I I would imagine we'll know the starting rotation by tomorrow. Uh yeah. at least officially from coach Kingston. Uh, all right, it is 11:31. It is 
May the 10th. We're hoping that JC will show up at some point in time once he uh, he gets a real man to plug that flat tire of his. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Don Eller, but we do know we'll be here in an hour. It's a really exciting conversation. Um, we hope that y'all will really enjoy this Born to Crow series. It's not always going to be your biggest superstars from football and baseball and basketball. I mean, it's it's an effort to try to tell the stories of the University of South Carolina in, in all forms and fashion. Uh, Don uh, is a native of New York, but um, she's going into the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame on Monday for a reason as a former Olympian, amongst other things, uh, on her resume. So really excited to have that conversation with her coming up at 1230. But coming up now is a break. We'll continue our conversation about Gamecock baseball and get into some football as well. Fill up the chat box. You are watching and listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jacob Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. (laughs) 
welcome back everybody to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John and his team a call, 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with them to set up a no-obligation consultation about turning your backyard potentially into an outdoor retreat. And even though the baseball team's been a little disappointing as of late, one person who will not disappoint you in her service is Cindy Searfoss and the Cobalt Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271. She's come in clutch for some of our listeners already and would be happy to do so for you for all your upstate residential real estate needs. Yeah, you know, um, nice line there, there by the way. Pretty good, pretty good stuff. Uh, oh, Xavier, by the way, guys, can we get a shout out to my wife, Jessica, and myself? It is our nine-year anniversary today. Absolutely. Congrats. Uh, congratulations and happy anniversary. What, uh, any plans? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like lunch or something? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, just, yeah, sensible dinner. <laughs> And then beyond that, I, I don't know. So West Coast, we'll be asleep by the time uh, you know things ramp up there for Xavier and Jessica. <laughs> it's like trying to stay up late for a, uh, a West Coast basketball or baseball game. <laughs> I always find, you know, it's when people tell me, like, I just always it's always an awkward uh, conversation, you know, when someone's like, "Oh yeah, man, it's our anniversary today," and you're like, "Oh cool, what are y'all doing for it?" You know, and you're like. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, like, are you going to dinner or? You going to, yeah, that's right. You know, like, yeah. like, I just always, you know, because most, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I think differently, but most people, it's like, uh, we're, you know, it's our anniversary. So that's right. I don't know. Maybe some people are, don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tay, uh, says, when's the last time we scored but didn't allow the opposing team? immediate to immediately answer back well last i mean last night i mean they scored one in the first they didn't give up a run in the second no so but yeah i i, I get it you know i understand your point i mean we um we, we kind of talked about some of that earlier that that's that's what i mentioned earlier the kind of the change of roles and the fact that carolina answered so many innings for so long and now they've just kind of hit a rough skid here and yeah. um I think it's just so concerning, too, because it's like all these good, positive things we saw in the beginning of the season are not just – just. it seems like they've all vanished, right? I mean, we're not knocking the long balls like we used to. You know, everybody's not having their best plate appearances every time they get up there. Pitching is, you know, not holding guys <laughs> at all, <laughs> you yeah. know. And it was last night hurt so bad because it was just, uh, you know, it's like death by a thousand cuts, you know. It's like, okay, base, base, and, base. And the weather base. delay, you're like, oh, yeah, kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then I was just yeah. sitting there thinking, like, it was like, oh, we're going to wait another 30 minutes on a lightning delay. And then it's like, yeah, if we come out of this with a loss, it's just going <laughs> to – we're all just going to hurt yeah. so much more. <laughs> hurt so much. By the way, speaking of the lightning delay, we had we had some pretty rough weather here in the Low Country last night that rolled its way through. Um, I mean, it, and, and again, you know, I go back to like, you know, the pitching is just it just has not been good. I don't understand it. Um, I don't know why it's, but sometimes you know these. <laughs> You know, and it's not like Carolina's exclude. This is not an exclusive club. 
You know, no. this has happened literally to everybody. Look what happened to Tennessee earlier this year. Largely regarded, widely regarded as the best staff in the country. And they couldn't get anybody out until they got one good performance. And then from there, they kind of they kind of kicked it into gear. And it just started, you know, everybody was basically complimenting everybody else and patting each other on the back. And it all worked out. But, um, you know, you were talking about, I mean, how many draft picks are on that Tennessee team? And when the draft rolls around, wait till all these guys' names come off the board. You're going to look back at some of their early results, and you're going to be like, I don't get it. Um, so hopefully that's where it is for South Carolina. They're just in a really, really, uh, you know, a bad spot, and they'll climb out, and they got to have a big-time performance. And yeah. if that's Will or Eli or whoever on Friday night, I'm talking like you need to walk off the mound in the sixth, seventh inning, and people are sitting here going, "That's that's one of the better things I've seen in a long time." Mm-hmm. That's what they need. So yeah, yeah, because you got to think that's going to carry through. You know, the entire lineup. You know, hitting everything. I mean, just somebody, like you said, man, somebody needs to step up and be a dude. And just you know, yeah. run with this thing, and 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 give give us some some hope, yeah, <laughs> some will. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a rough go for sure. Oh, JB, if you don't mind, could we take a quick break, please? Of course we can. Yeah, we're gonna Thank do that. You. We'll yeah. hit our Let's... final break of hour one, and we'll be right back. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843 843- Six nine nine one zero zero one. This is one zero zero two. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com Don't you know, no, no. From the little chick to the big old cock, it's the 
Good. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for uh, <laughs> helping me through that uh, abrupt break. Sorry, had something personal come up. Didn't deal with something with the school and got a telephone. So had to take it real quick and uh, appreciate everybody being patient. With us. No, good. all good. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's, Everything's good. good. Except for, for one person. Rough day for well, that. Well, you know, yeah, somebody's, somebody's having a well-deserved rough day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sometimes it's uh, yeah exactly. Um, uh, switching to football real quick here, and and it's really starting to set up uh, pretty well for for South Carolina. Phil, uh, you know, there's there's well, I'll let's call it growing confidence, but they're I don't know that it's growing. Let's just put it this way. They're pretty confident. South Carolina is going to have another running back in their room, uh, more than likely here pretty soon. And whether that is Logan Diggs or Sharko from NC State or Sumo, if that's what you want to call them, um, either way, both of these 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 guys are really good. And the young man at NC State, as JC kind of pointed out yesterday, yesterday maybe or the day before. Um, and we were talking about the fact that he just had been banged up and um and hadn't played a ton at NC State. But uh either way, they're 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 going to add a quality running back to that running back room, which is going to be a really big deal um from where they are right now. Matter of fact, I think that it's actually going to make that running back room like if you wanted to give it a grade in my uneducated grading scale, probably at least a B, B plus somewhere in there. Um, That's good. It, a lot of the yeah. preseason narratives, JB, around this team are Spencer Rattler's going to go off by necessity because there won't be any running backs. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. everything I see is like Spencer Rattler's going to have the best year just by the fact that they're going to be throwing it a huge percentage of the time. Which hey, that may be true. Uh, but you know, you got to have some quality depth back there at running back. And I, I think, you know, like you, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be a, a, a portal guy come in. That's going to make that room worthwhile. Oh yeah. Yeah. No question. I mean, it's, it's going to, it's actually going to end up being a better room. It's so there's a lot of unproven stuff, right? Like you're talking about, um, you're talking about the fact that you've got to train. So let's just call it, let's, let's have the surface conversation. Because this is really the conversation that most that don't do any research at all are going to have. I'm not talking about in the Carolina fan base. I'm not talking about any of the 6,000 or whatever it is people a day that watch or listen to our show. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about when some evaluator with ESPN or CBS or whoever, you know, does all their little, you know, preseason rankings and they and they point to the the things that are good and the things that are bad and the whole nine yards, yada, yada, yada. Well, running back on the surface right now is something that you're not going to be able to escape a negative conversation with that, right? Because you are moving a, a former quarterback turned wide receiver, turned quarterback, turned wide receiver to running back and to carry on joiner. That's one probably, I don't know, RB one dash A or one dash B today, As and then you yeah. mm-hmm. right, and then you got Ju- and then you got Juju, and 
You know, Juju's not an every down back. And when you look at his uh, career statistics in South Carolina, for those that maybe don't really know who Juju is, again, not, this is not a conversation directed to anybody that's watching or listening to our program. Um, you, you're not going to be blown away by what you see on paper. So that's two. And then, then you've got Mario Anderson, who's transferring in from a Division two school in Newberry. So that's three. And then you got – we don't know about little turbo, whether he's even going to be eligible, but let's say he is, he really didn't play last year, except for on special. He might've gotten a carry or two, right? If I remember correctly. And then yeah, he played a couple. Yeah. It wasn't very many. No, but he's a transfer. He's a transfer from Columbia. And, and then you got walk-ons and then you got DJ Braswell. Who's never taken a college snap. So again, to summarize former wide receiver quarterback, to running back, running back coming from D2, who's never played at this level, running back who's never been a RB1, and he's probably too small to do so, and Juju, running back who's never taken a snap. So that's that's the surface conversation of this running back room. Then you add a transfer in from NC State, or you add Logan Diggs. That's where people will go, okay, well, they've, they've tightened up their running back room, right? You can hear the conversations now. Now, Let's have the under under the surface conversation of what what we have seen and what we know and have heard from those who know a hell of a lot more than what we know, right? Mario Anderson had a great spring, and they feel actually really good about it. Yeah. Juju had a great spring, but they know who he is. That he's again, they they would not feel good about Juju being a twenty five carry a game guy. Okay, um, the carry on had a wonderful spring really picked it up a lot faster. So he's actually a little bit like if they had to play a game today, they wouldn't feel good about that, but they don't until September. And he's a, he's a lot further ahead of where they thought he would be at the end of spring practice with still a full summer to go and still the fall to get here in a playbook, which by the way is really, really beneficial to these guys because it is, it has been much less stressful on them to learn. And then you got the freshman. Now you bring a transfer into this into this mix, and and it it's kind of you can see why this will be an underrated group that actually is going to have a chance to be pretty pretty good. To your point, um, outside of a couple of offenses here and there from Mike Leach, have you ever seen an offense ever like I can't stand it. When, when people say this, drives me up the wall. There is no passing offense in the game that is good without a good running game. No, you, there, can't, you can't point to it. I mean, even, no. even the, the much acclaimed high-flying Josh Heupel offense of last year still had two quality running backs. You have to be effective running the football. Or yes. everybody knows what's coming. You just, or you know what? You rush three, drop eight, and <laughs> tell them to figure it out. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I mean, people no. will spur your – no, no, no. Go back and look at the numbers. You know, Steve Spurrier always had a great running game at Florida. I'm talking about, the, you know, the, the heyday down there. Which really, that conversation does – it matters less and less with how much offense has changed. But – like it's like you said earlier. Oh well, Rattler's gonna have a hell of a year because all he's gonna be able to do is throw the football. That's all they can do. That's none of that's true. 
he can't have a hell of a year unless they can run the football. So they have to run it. Mm-hmm. And and um and they've they've got a group that's capable of doing so. Clint says, no offense, but I'll believe Mario Anderson is a guy when I see it. Totally understand that. Like, yeah, yeah you know, I, I hey, I'm with you. I, I'm not. That's not a bad comment at all. Um, I mean, I I take the information that's given to me from people that I trust and regurgitate it if it's worth doing so. And I'm not saying Mario Anderson is 20 carries for 80 yards or 100 yards a game. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is he's a guy who, if you put him in the backfield with four or five other dudes and you got to play him, they're going they're going to be okay with doing that. Um, or they wouldn't have taken him when they did. Like if you really think about it, Phil. If you were like really stressed for running backs, now would be the time that generally you would take a D two guy like Mario Anderson on the surface, right? Like, man, we just got to add somebody. You know, they added him because they wanted to add him, um, and and you know, according to the guys that he was playing against in the spring, you know, some of those conversations I had with those guys, like the players, they're like, no, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good running back. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's pretty good. I can't remember which one told me, but he said, man, he knocked a you know what out of me. Yeah. And, and I think Mac and Dino make another point that I think is very valid and one that should be brought up throughout this running back conversation is Dowell Loggins has done nothing but express to us that, you know, he's gonna call and design his offense around the personnel that he has. So we know that they are going to, even if we don't have an A plus, you know two first round, not first round, but, you know, second or third round pick running backs in the room coming up this fall that, you know, this offense is not going to be completely inept. (laughs) But, you know, he's going to get the balls in the the hands of his playmakers, and something tells me it'll be uh, at a higher clip beyond the line of scrimmage than what we've been seeing these past couple years. Yeah, you know, I think, (laughs) and again, you know, you know we got to we got to see what happens when they get out there on the field you know you it's it's these are all um these conversations are so premature and really meaningless uh but but at the same time like the only evidence we have of what this cuz i agree with mac the, with the macandino guys like th- this there are numerous examples around the country when you have good play callers, you have good players. Vice versa, when you have good players, sometimes you have good play callers, right? So, I mean, it really does go hand in hand. But there have been a lot of running backs who, if you go, just go look, where, wherever it is, SEC, ACC, wherever it is, and you're like, man this, man, this guy's pretty good. Well, I guarantee if you went back to August of the year before, you weren't – nobody was talking about him. I mean, no. nobody ever really talks about running backs. Like, if you name, – name some. Like going into the twenty twenty two season, who name 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 me three starting running backs in the SEC that you knew about going into the end of the season? Not not at South Carolina because no, you're a game guy. Jameer Jameer Gibbs. That's who I was okay. going to say is Jameer right. Gibbs. And, yeah. and who else? So you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like you always you always get down the road, and these guys make a name for themselves if they've got a good system to to play in. And so I think that that's like a really good. Uh, that's actually a really good comment. Now, with, with Dow Loggins, like the only information that we're going to have, it's May 10th. All right. So, June, July, August. So, we have less than four months until they kick off, right? Four, three months, uh, almost four, four months. Three yeah, months, four months and three, months, three yeah, weeks, yeah. basically. Wow. Is that 15 weeks away? Holy smokes. Come on. Yeah, Come on, time. Man, this, this so, quick. <laughs> I know. 
I don't want to wish away the summer or anything, but, (laughs) um, but so, so, so we're left with, we're left with, with one way to have the conversation about the Gamecock offense and how the running backs, for instance, are going to fit in. And that is, what are they saying internally? Because they just got out of, it's like a relationship. And again, not to get personal with anybody here, I don't like doing that. But you feel like you just got out of a bad relationship and, and you feel very refreshed. You know, something that's new, there's some energy in it. It's fun. Uh, you're, you're back on the dating scene again. You know, you're, you're going out to dinner and, and your conversations, you know, you don't say one word that pisses pisses her off, you know, and you're... <laughs> And, and, and you, you, you get to laugh about things. And when you have too much to drink, you don't wake up the next morning and she's bitching and moaning to you because you had too much to drink the night before. This one just laughs at you like, man, you sure were funny. Like that freshness of a relationship again. And that's kind of where they are right now. The quote unquote honeymoon phase as, uh, as, as it's been termed around here before, but you have to look deeper into the conversation though. Right, Phil? So, so who do you listen to? Uh, okay, and, and I'm not talking about Shane Beamer because, as Steve Spurrier once said, what coach is going to get out there and go, wow, we suck. We suck. You know, <laughs> you know like this guy can't call plays and this guy can't kick a field goal. Nobody's going to do that. You know, J- Shane Beamer's job that he's done since day one and does it better than anybody I've ever seen is to create ener- energy for the program. I mean, you don't do that through negativity. So you got to get real sources and real resources and real information. And what are these guys saying? Hey, only a few months ago, this this cat was in charge of the offense. This guy has been in charge of the offense since the beginning of the year. What are you seeing? Well, I mean, the real information that I've at least learned is, you know, it might take them some time to really, you know, click. But it won't be because they don't know what they're doing or because it's too complicated. Like all those frustrating things that you were like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Uh, It won't be because our offensive coordinator decides he wants to have a defensive end throw a pass on the one-yard line. You know, like there's common or sense. Or run 50 down, 50 yards right. down the field, try to catch one. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, that, the other side of that is, and you know, uh, you, you know, talking about preseason, you know, who do you believe in the preseason? For my money, it's the player availabilities once they start the fall camp. Because the guys that the guys are talking about, those are the ones that seem to break through. Those are the ones that really do show. I mean, we could, we could hear it last year with, you know, who was, you know, some names and things like that, that we weren't necessarily, you know, trying to pick on and and you start hearing them, you know, that the other players are talking about, man, these guys are doing really good. Those are the ones that I think are probably the most accurate uh, beyond that. I mean, like you said, you touched on a coach speak is real because it's, you, you have to keep the program, you know, moving, <laughs> you yeah. can't say that you suck, but yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, these guys know, they see them, they know who's been in the weight room, who's had a good solid summer and, and, you know, they're, they're going to make the best with what they have uh, regardless, but there's going to be names that we haven't necessarily been talking about or expect to stand out that are just going to take the opportunity given to them and run with it. 
Yep. No, no question, man. I mean, and, um, and it's funny, I asked, you know, name, name three running backs and we did get some names, you know, Chris Rodriguez, Zachary Evans at Ole Miss, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, for anybody that paid attention, Quinshawn Judkins led the SEC, right? With almost 1500 yards and Raheem Sanders was right behind him. Nobody mentioned those names. So, I mean, it, it, it comes down to – nobody mentioned Tank Bigsby either, by the way. Uh, it comes down to uh, – yeah, it comes down to – well, we're all, we're all saying the same thing here in different form or fashion. Like Clint says, he's right. You know, nothing is proven with your OC yet. It would be nice to have a guy at running back. Um, but then, you know, Mac and Dino guys, hey, look, you can get by with quality dudes as long as you have an offense – and this is all right. It's just a matter of what fits best for them. And we'll leave it at this because I know we got to hit a break here. You know, going into 2021, I mean, or go, how about this? Going into 2020, going into 2020. Yeah. Raise your hand if you saw Kevin Harris. Marks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who, who saw Kevin Harris running for 1,200 yards? You know, who who saw – Zaquandre White doing what he did and Kevin coming on finally late after getting healthy last year. Like these things work themselves out when things start clicking. If you've got guys that are capable, they have that, but they certainly, of course, need to add, you know, one more uh, big name to the talent pool. And if it isn't Logan Diggs and it is the guy from NC State, and I got a pretty good authority here, it's going to be one of these two guys, then. I hope people understand that guy they're adding from NC State is pretty good. And um, and although he had been hurt, uh, the one thing I've learned about Shane Beamer and his staff in the portal, if you've been hurt, they, they've they learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> they're checking every freaking health box they can check before they're going to bring you in. And you have to sit your rear end out all season long because uh, you got banged up and they didn't do their homework. So. Well, yeah, and you're, you're you know you're not Colorado and sitting on all these excess scholarships. <laughs> you got you're going to make a solid decision. It would be well thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, hour one is in the books. We're still waiting to get a tire update from JC. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Let's hope he's got AAA. He said he didn't have a spare though, right? So. We can't just say it's not like he doesn't know how to do it or doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Uh, it just might have been his excuse. I was going to say either that or eh, that's just what he told us. I don't have a spare. Oh, Although I have driven a car that didn't have a spare. And, of course, you don't notice that until you freaking need one. So yeah. <laughs> that, that can be frustrating. Very true. I've been there <laughs> myself. We will hit a timeout. Don Ellerby in a really cool Born to Crow conversation series uh, coming up at 12.30. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, this show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. We'll be right back. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. 
Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options, and go Cox. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring to you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cops. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, second hour of the show. Of course, we are presented to you live from the Sinorama Studios by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Get in touch with John Barber and his team. John B. at ExpressSunrooms.com is the email. 803-446-4662 is the telephone number to talk about how they can get some more sunshine into your life for the summer. Ain't no sunshine. Uh, let's see here in the Nana's porch chat box, uh, 76. I can't wait to see DK, uh, to carry on. I'm assuming at running back too. If he makes sure to keep his pads down, he'll be one to gain some important yards for us. I tell you what, man, having a chance to see him last, was that last week? The week before mm-hmm. well, he, he looks like a running back. There's no doubt. And if necessary, <laughs> Uh, Craig says, uh, well, what did I miss here? What, what did I miss? Greg, where'd you, did, he must have already said something that I missed, but I uh, can't find it now. Uh, and if necessary, I also see Joyner at least averaging four and a half yards per carry and running over a few hot shot DBs and linebackers on his way to a early second, late first round pick. 
All right. But, yeah. Just not forgetting how many times he's going to fake that run, pull up, and toss it down the field to a yeah. wide open receiver. Well, <laughs> and, and you've got a you've got a you got an offensive coordinator who knows how to do things like that. Yeah. But like exactly. Yeah. Let me let me re, let me say this again. Not rephrase. Let me say this again. Knows how to do things like that. Um, you know, not gimmicky, but understands how to. Like you can't. Well, I think one of the things that was missing in my very limited knowledge of being an offensive coordinator, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, they've played Madden, so they know how to they know how to do it. So they know, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, there's a I'll, I'll I'll I can reference Michael Flynn on this, um, and I can reference Perry Orth. They've said the same thing publicly with us. Like, th- there's a difference in calling plays and calling plays. Some guys call plays. Sometimes uh, some guys call plays to call a game, which using plays to set things up and, you know, using the same form, same formation just on the different, a different side or doing this, that, and the other because it's working or running this play, running this play, running this play, bam, you set this one up and that's, that's when it works. And then some guys just throw in a trick play and you're wondering why the hell are we running a trick play? It's third and one. Just get the first down. Um, unless it's you know it's there, right? Unless you you've set it up, you've set it, and it just happens to kind of fall into place where it's like, wow, I've got third and one here. We can get it, but it's open, so let's do it. Um, you know, and and so you've that's going to happen. Like we're going to see that this year. Carryon Joiner is going to be on the field uh, to do a lot of stuff. And no. and he himself and the play caller, Dow Loggins, are going to collaborate and probably surprising a few people. I'm sure, yeah. And do it without, uh, you know, 20 different personnel groupings. Because then you got to think, like, towards the end of the season, you're tipping your hat with the guys you're running on the field. You know, because even though you've got one million plays, you can't teach one million plays, and you're going to have to keep it limited. <laughs> one million. <laughs> one million. <laughs> God, so glad to see. I mean, you. you're going to get there. Right? You know, <laughs> what do you think we should do here? Well, um, I think we should uh, plug in our defensive end. Let's pitch him the ball and have him toss it in the end zone. And then, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. You know, hey, that sounds good. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> what? We just ran it all the way down there, and they haven't been able to stop it. So now's the time yeah. to we, pull something right. they're not going to expect. Ran it eighty yards, you know that, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, don't run it again. Uh, well, yeah, but they're expecting us to run. Why? Why? Yeah, but they can't stop it. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> there's nothing more frustrating not to me is like you've got four downs to get a damn yard. <laughs> If yeah, you can't like, run the ball, you know, hang it up. It's just, just, there was just no, after that. There was just no feel. Like there was just no mm-hmm. feel there. But I mean, like to give to give him credit, to give Coach Sack credit here in the last couple of games, like when they when they did dumb it down, and they did you know cut a lot of this crap out of there and basically put in with what they were comfortable with. Like even he had a feel, you know. Yeah. Like it's like he. It's like. I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how else to, I don't, you can't describe it in any other way. Really. It's like, man, you were tying your own hands behind your back, 
for so long trying to whatever rewrite the the book um <laughs> trying to be too creative however you want to explain it but you tied your own guy's hands behind their back but you also tied your hands behind your back and even he like you can't not give him credit in the last couple of games in the year now coinciding with that is the fact that you know Spencer Rattler I mean we'd have to go back and look at all the numbers but if he wasn't the best, he was one of the two or three best quarterbacks in college football the last couple of games of the year, too. I mean, he – I've never seen that. I've never seen it. I've never – not here. It's South Carolina. Like, I've never seen a quarterback get that hot, make those throws. You think about the throw to Juice in the end zone and all those throws he was making in the Tennessee game that just kept going for touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. He wasn't one hair of an inch off. I mean, it was just remarkable what was going on. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, and even then, like, still, you know, even to you know, for the credit that we're giving it, the it's still damning that the offensive line called the play, you know, that iced that game away in Clemson because his tendency was to give it to somebody. You know, we needed what three yards, and we're averaging less than that per carry. And we're like, no, let's see, yeah, let's let's hand the ball off here. And they're like, no, give it to Juice, yeah, because he'll go get it. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. did. He went and got it. <laughs> I mean, that's like the classic example of just give the ball to your best player and just right. see what happens. You know, put the ball into the best player's hands. That's yeah. you know, and and the way Dowell Loggins is speaking, that he has a firm grasp of that concept. Uh, and and you know, hey, we all have a legitimate skepticism heading into this season about whether or not he can actually call, has a feel for in-game play calling. Mm -hmm. I hope that he settles that very quickly on the field in Charlotte in week one. Uh, that way we don't have to feel like we're reliving something terrible. Cause you, I can, I, I mean, we all know what the narrative will be if we have a poor offensive showing against North Carolina. Uh, and we don't want to do that again, <laughs> not for another year. It's PTSD. Oh you know, that's gosh, what it is. Yeah. It's PTSD. Yeah. I mean, Carol, I mean, look, yeah, let's be honest. They've not had a, a good offensive coordinator since Steve Spurrier. I mean, they just haven't. I mean, uh, you can make the argument that Kurt Roper, you know, it wasn't necessarily all on him, but he was still the OC. Um, same thing with BMAC. Uh, look, Mike Bobo deserves a lot more credit than he gets. So he had nothing, nothing. And he, and he made a 1200 yard rusher in 10 SEC games out of Kevin Harris. And that's all they had. That's it. They had shy Smith. They did not have a quarterback. No. Um, and, and this guy ran for 120 yards a game. So Mike Bobo deserves a lot of credit. Now the defense was awful, like awful. And uh, and they didn't have a lot else to work with. And I think had Mike Bobo stayed at Carolina under Shane Beamer, I think he would have been okay. I think it would have been pretty good, actually, to be honest with you. He no. probably would have had a Mike Bobo dodo type moment at some point in time that people would always go back and reference as kind of his like calling card. Like he's good for one or two of those here and there that they really stand out. But we're going to find out because he's the OC at Georgia again. Yeah. We'll see how much he's uh, matured. Yeah, yeah. And Craig, like Craig says here, Bobo is nothing short of amazing with what we haven't had. 
and how people don't see that is crazy. Absolutely. Like yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I, you, you actually go back and think about it and, and get the, the video game stuff out of your head and, and try to actually understand like, like don't have revisionist history. Like go back and look at it. I mean, he had nothing, dude. And nobody no. knew who Kevin Harris was. Nobody. Nope. And he was phenomenal. So Yeah, I mean, you know, we we lucked out with him, you know, breaking through. And I mean, I know there's a lot of factors in that because it was the COVID year and we weren't playing to full stadiums and, and things of that nature. But, you know, hey, nobody saw that coming. No. And, you know, to uh, Macandino's point, yep, nobody saw Raheem Sanders coming. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, no, Quinchon Judkins being the number one. So, hey, legitimately, and Judkins, wasn't he a freshman? Am I wrong? Uh, Judkins? Yeah. Gosh. He, he might have been one. I thought he was older than that, but he might have been one based on eligibility. Because yeah. Because oh, okay. COVID okay. crap yeah. that nobody can get over, but I cannot. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's so tough. To cannot remember all this stuff nowadays. <laughs> I like Mac and Dino. These guys are on it today, too. Um uh, now, I'm not sure whether we're talking to Mac or Dino or both, but we'll just give you both the credit here. Uh, he said, I like the way the defensive players are talking about Spencer. Dial said that uh, uh, Rattler improved a lot and, and didn't give them the ball this offseason. I'm not sure if you're talking about firsthand conversations or not. I had firsthand conversations with a lot of these guys um, when they were here, like, you know, things that I can share type conversations not standing there with a bunch of fans type of deal uh, and, and, and did talk to them about a lot of that. How, how did you honestly, you know, what did you say? And we've been, I've been around long enough to know when a guy says, Oh yeah, man, he, he, he did real good. It looks real good. First is man. He's good. Yeah, he's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, know, the, the, you can, you can tell the difference talking to shoot, uh, talking to, to, um, to train ox. How do you like playing with Rattler? He's he looked me in the eye and he goes, hey. "Well, he had to look down. Now he's a big dude, and I ain't that big, so I had to get one of my little ear cups so I could hear what he was trying to say to me." But um, he he looked at me. and said, "Man, he's a real deal." He was like, "I've never played a quarterback like this." I mean, he uh, he knows where he's going with the ball. He's very confident. We get out there on the field, and you know, he's here's what you need to do. Here's what this guy is going to do. He's reading it. He's seeing it. It's and that's it was a very mature answer of something you would hear, um, like you know y'all heard on our show like Perry Orth and these guys the way they talk about it Pat DeMarco, it was a very mature answer. You don't get that a lot out of college kids, you know, as we all know. Um, they oh yeah he's real good man he he can make all the throws they give you all the blanket stuff, but he was kind of going through it and you're like, mm-hmm. I hear you. So yeah, yeah. Hope that's a good omen. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Judkins was true freshman, so you know, hey, maybe old Brad oh, will come in okay. here and yeah, be okay. the league leading rusher. <laughs> I mean, I, and and I think you know, seventy six brought it up earlier about Braswell. I'm I'm excited to see him. I'm, I'm sure you know, yeah. seen the highlights of his high school. I mean, this kid looks the part. <laughs> well, look just, it, again. You know, being not, a freshman, you got to hope the game slows down quick for him. Yeah, and, and again, it it goes back to what what these guys were talking about earlier. Like, this isn't the seventies, you know. Like, freshmen can come in and play, especially in a system that is friendly to them. Something that just utilizes the skill set that they have. You know, like if if you if you have a system 
that allows you to take sips instead of drink through a water hose, you could come in and be very, very good. And so that's that's kind of the hope here is that that you know Coach Loggins is going to implement something that this guy is really talented. Not not just Braswell, whomever, whomever it is. It doesn't matter whether it's a transfer or a true freshman. This guy is really, really talented. We've got to get him on the field, but we've got to be able to maximize him while he's out there. Like, it's not just about getting his talent on the field and then running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Like, he's got to know, we have to know what he can do. He's got to know what he's doing. And that's how you, that's what good OCs do. I mean, he, the Braswell kid might not be a guy that comes in and, and plays 20 snaps a game, but the, the five to seven that he does, Phil, might be really, really, really important because he's really good in certain scenarios with certain things. And we've missed a lot of that. Comparing people to Coach Spurrier just isn't fair, but that is one of his ultimate characteristics. And he knew. He knew what you could do and what you couldn't do. And he knew where you fit in an offense, and he did not care whether you were a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior. And you would play, and he would put you in a position to make plays. Raise your hand for Busta Anderson, for instance. Okay, we look back and we go, well, oh my God, he was 6'5", 260. No, he wasn't. He was 6'5", 230, first of all, which is a little light for being a tight end at that point in time. Busta Anderson, what did he catch, like 30 passes in his career at Carolina, and like 25 of them went for touchdowns? I mean, like, yeah, it was like every I mean, time he touched the ball, you were like, oh, well, look, we're going to yeah. score. <laughs> he, he knew. Like, this was his signature route. He was good at it. People knew when he was in the game that he probably would be running that, and they still couldn't stop it. No. And and so, like, he was very good at finding what, like, you know, put the, put the round object in the round hole. This this guy does this pretty good. Let's let's play him. Let's put him there and let him do it. Brandon Wiles. We we mentioned all these names around here a lot. So yeah, and we'll do it out of a a different formation. Yeah. Same exactly. play. We'll just give yep. him a different look at the beginning. You, know? you can do that. <laughs> it's, like, it's something you can do. And you can do it with the same people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, you can do that. You can run the same play just out of a different formation or to the other side of the field. It, 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 it has happened before. All right. It's 12 uh, 21. Traveling Country Club has allowed, well, uh, definitely hundreds, but well into the hundreds to tee it up all over the Carolinas, almost 45 golf courses, and they're, they're really good ones. Stono Ferry and Dunes West down here in the low country, Caledonia, True Blue, Mount Mitchell, and so on and so forth. The upstate has just some really, really, really beautiful courses in there. Um, the uh, Waynesville Golf Club and Inn has been added, uh, and you go to travelingcountryclub.com, and you'll see it for yourself, and then you'll realize that you, you're paying this low monthly fee, but one round of golf covers it. So you want to go play golf one time, it's going to cost you $120, $130 to go out there. You join the club, you pay a monthly fee, and then you pay $20 to go play. You paid for itself, and then from here on out, you're basically making money to play golf or saving money, however you want to word it. It's the coolest club. It, we, that's not like a catchphrase, although it is. It's really not because when you sign up, you'll figure it out quickly. Um, I have directed a lot of my friends to this. They – often text me and go, it's got to be too good to be true, but it's it's not. It's exactly what it is. That's why guys who 
Like, I think Smoke maybe is a better golfer than he is a baseball player these days, shooting par at freaking Stone of Ferry. It's ridiculous. But, you know, he's joined Traveling Country Club because he likes to just go, even if it's an hour road trip, road trip to go play a good, a good round of golf somewhere in Santee. TravelingCountryClub.com. If you're a golfer, you need to be in this. I'm telling you, it's so, so worth it. Make sure you check them out. And also, of course, check out the Plunder on Polly's coming up here in just a couple of months where you could win $12,000 by playing in that tournament. Unbelievable. All right, we're going to hit a uh, timeout. We'll come back for a, a short segment. Got a little Gamecock defense to get into, and then Don Ellerby is going to join us as well. Keep filling up that chat box. You're going to love this conversation uh, coming up here in less than 10 minutes on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell, Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Julia. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Coleman from the Yardcocks. Electric bikes of Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with them to talk about potentially enclosing a porch or a patio so that you can enjoy your summer bug-free. And I can't find the right buttons to click. What do you yeah. Real professional here. <laughs> here we are. There we go. It is all, all good. A couple of, couple of things here. Uh, if you have not seen this from... 
uh, Tony Morrell this morning. Once again, we, we often reference this around here. June, though, is really lining up to be a special month in recruiting again for South Carolina. Um, June 2nd, 9th, and 23rd have some limited official visitor lists that are out. A couple are on the docket for the second. Um, the Parker Livingston from Texas, Kaj Sanders, the defensive back from New Jersey. The ninth has defensive lineman Justin Green. Uh, Peyton Lewis, the tailback out of Salem, and Malcolm Ziegler, uh, the defensive back from uh, North Carolina. But then, as Shane and those guys often do, and uh, they don't say that this is how they do it, but as they often do it, the 23rd weekend of June is really shaping up to kind of be the weekend. Um, because Dante Reno, Cam Pringle, Kelvin Hunter, and Wendell Gregory are all visiting that weekend officially. Oh, yeah. So is Jonathan Paler, Dylan Stewart, and Mike Williams will be here that weekend as well. And they'll add to these lists. These lists are going to be on and on and on. But has any, haven't you noticed how anytime they've got big-time prospects are trying to land, they're magically always visiting the weekends that their other stars are – who have already committed or guys who are already in. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's funny how yeah, that works out. I wonder if that's by design. They're, uh, I think they're pretty good at that. Yeah. So we will, uh, obviously Tony will continue to update this list. And so we'll hail McGranahan down the stretch, but next month is uh, once again, this will be the third straight year where this is their heaviest official visit month of the year. And I would venture a guess. It'll also be the third straight year that, um, that they just are hammering the uh, commitment list. And um, they've already done that. So keep your eyes peeled for sure. But in the coming days, keep your eyes peeled on the portal as South Carolina is set to land a running back, either Sharko from, or that's his nickname, from NC State or Logan Diggs. And uh, also – Keep a, a close eye on uh, the defensive end position, of course, as well. South Carolina really going to firm up both of those positions that have been a little bit worrisome uh, moving forward here in the coming days. Uh, Carolina baseball, again, if you have joined us late or joining us now just live, uh, falls last night 8-5 to five to North Florida. It's their 12th loss of the year. They only slipped one spot in the RPI, but they have really got to get it going. They've lost six of their last eight games and four in a row, including the sweep at the hands of the Wildcats of Kentucky in Lexington uh, just this past weekend. Although, uh, moving forward, it was good to see Talmadge LeCroy in the lineup last night. It was also good to see Will McGillis get his first action as a pinch runner in quite some time. And uh, Coach Kingston is uh, pretty optimistic that Will McGillis will play more this weekend. There's a chance that Braylon Wimmer can play more this weekend, or play this weekend, I should say. Uh, Gavin Costas continues to swing it well, and Talmadge Leekroy moving forward should probably continue to be in the lineup at both second and third base, depending on when, when Wimmer gets back. But all of that said, uh, pitching once again last night um, really wasn't that good. Uh, you know, giving up, uh, oh gosh, what was it, 13 hits or – 14 hits to North Florida. Dylan Eskew had the roughest outing of all, giving up five in the second inning. Uh, only two earned runs from there for the Gamecocks. 
Um, but uh, one bad outing or one bad inning led to one bad outing overall for the team. Again, at 36 and 12. So uh, we should have a pitching rotation officially from Mark Kingston uh, tomorrow heading into the weekend. All right, uh, we will go ahead and hit our final timeout of the afternoon. And when we return as part of our Born to Crow series in collaboration uh, with Michael Haney and his song out of Nashville, Tennessee, and with Preston Thorne and Langston Moore, former Gamecock defensive lineman, and they're just a chicken book series. Uh, we will welcome our second guest. Yesterday was Robert Brooks, former standout wide receiver in South Carolina, part of this year's 2023 South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame class. Today we'll welcome Don Ellerby, and her resume is really phenomenal. And I was, as I was reading through the notes that Tony Shupo passed along to me, there is a very strange connection that her and I have, not directly. But there is something in common uh, that we will talk about here in just a little bit. But uh, outside of that, her resume, <laughs> it just doesn't get much better than this. And you're going to really want to hear this conversation as one of the great student athletes to ever come through the University of South Carolina. So we're going to hit our final timeout. And when we return, Don will join us in our Born to Crow series right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. Here in the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229, LONMLS 1772182. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida. And you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox.
song born to crow by our friend and yours michael haney who's up now of course in nashville tennessee as a singer and songwriter but we all know mike as a former host of 107.5 the game in columbia don ellerby is a former track and field athlete who specialized in the hammer throw something i've never been able to figure out so maybe she can help us (laughs) and uh she is a member of the university of south carolina athletics hall of fame and don if i say anything incorrect here make sure that you correct me Uh, She's also on the board of directors for the United Way of the Midlands in Columbia. She is a four-time NCAA champion, a six-time All-American, and a five-time SEC champion. Phil, you and I are going to get a lesson before this is over. She also has a bachelor's degree in journalism. So anything that we screw up, she'll correct it before she's off. From Carolina. From South Carolina. That's right. Uh, And uh, she's a former Olympian. And a six-time USA Outdoor Champion in the Hammer Throw, a five-time USA Indoor Champion. And, Don, if I read the rest of this, we're going to run out of time here. But now you're the <laughs> Assistant Vice Chancellor for Athletics Communications and Senior Associate Athletics Director at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. So, first of all, it is really an honor to meet you. We really appreciate your invitation to be on our program. And congratulations on your introduction into the – South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame coming up on Monday. Thank you. Hi, Jamie. Great to meet you. Hi, Phil. Great to meet you, too. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, I. Uh, Clint says here in the in the chat box, that's a decent resume. Clint, I didn't even get halfway through it. I, mean, um, I don't even think we mentioned Olympian. I mean, you know. Well, I did like, mention that, but I. You know, oh, did we? Okay, I missed that. I, mean, I, mean, I just have one like, correction. Well, I have two. I'm not on the board of the United Way of the Midlands anymore. I was a proud okay. member some years ago when I lived in Columbia. And for all my Olympians, it's never former. Once an Olympian, always That's an true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're exactly right. And I, I have been corrected on that before. Uh, my grandfather was set to row in the – he was a rower, and he was set to row in the 1940 – I want to say one Olympics. I might – but the, uh, the uh, World War II broke out. Yeah. And uh, But I have his patch. It's right, it's right on the other side of this camera. So, awesome. But you're – yeah. So, all right. Uh, so let me get – let's get this, uh, this personal connection thing out of the way. Not really connection, but kind of a crossover here, and then we're going to all talk about you. You got your master's in communications at the University of Wyoming. Mm 
I did. So that is my adopted Western side of the uh, U.S. Pr- uh, school. My my in-laws live in Laramie. Oh, I lived in Laramie yeah. for three years. It's a neat place. What a it great, is. great place. It's cold, but it's a great it's place. It's cold. It's not what you would expect. I moved there from Columbia, South Carolina, but the people, the people in Laramie, Ryan, people that live there are awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Did you ever, did you do like a lot of hiking and stuff when you lived out there? No, I'm not an outdoorsy kind of person. (laughs) I didn't do a lot of hiking. I did go to Centennial a few times and I did. I will say I went horseback riding. I did did go horseback riding, but I'm not outdoorsy. So no, I didn't. I left the hikes to the uh, natives. (laughs) Yeah. We, when we go out there, we try to, it's a different type of hiking, as you well know, um, mm-hmm. compared to what we're used to around here. But yeah, we've we've gone to Centennial. We've hiked up there and Vita Vu. I'm not sure if you ever passed through Vita Vu going to Cheyenne or anything like that. But um, Lake Marie, did you ever go up to Lake Marie? No, you know I spent a lot of time like shoveling snow from the ring and in class. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll work either at home or in school. Yeah, I'll work. Right. I'll yeah. work. Yeah. But, the Wyoming Cowboys, it is it is a unique place, and it, it really, really is cool. Anybody that's never been to the state of Wyoming, I think people think of Wyoming, and they only think of, like, Jackson and you know, mm-hmm. Jackson Hole, that area. Uh, the whole state has a lot to offer, but the, the southeast area around Laramie, there's so much that is just beautiful. Yeah, so, I would agree. I would agree to leave every expectation off. Just don't have any expectations, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Okay, so you're originally, though, from New York. I am from Long Island. I was going to so, say, yeah, centralized live Long centralized Island, right? Yeah. I do have yeah. a very, very, very strong connection to South Carolina. My dad is from Shiraw, South Carolina, born oh. and raised. So I do have some family there. So I do have a connection to South Carolina. Close ties. Shiraw. Wow. Yes. That is – so – and is that – to walk us through – uh, take us back to your younger years, and w- first of all, walk us through how you got into, uh, you know, the track and track and field side of things. But how did you kind of begin specializing in the hammer throw? Was that before you went to Carolina? No, actually, I didn't pick up the hammer until 1995. Wow. I was a junior, registered junior. So when you talk about things just happening, sometimes you go after things, and sometimes they just happen to you. So um, it's a blessing. Track and field kind of happened to me. I was in high school. I was playing basketball. I've been over six feet tall since the eighth grade. So I had no choice but to play basketball in my high school, right? (laughs) Walking down the hallway one day, the track coach stops me like, he like walks into a wall to stop me to tell me I'm coming out for the track team. Not ask me like, you're coming out for the track team. I'm like, I'm a baller. I play basketball. (laughs) Uh, No, I didn't. I did not play basketball. (laughs) I'm a baller. (laughs) <laughs> and um, then um, I came up for the track team. I did shot putting discus in high school. And then um, actually, I got to South Carolina. I was not even. I wasn't highly recruited out of high school. Um, Jeff Small was a um, distance coach at South Carolina, and he had his eye on an athlete that was at my high school, Central Lisa. And my track coach was like, "Maybe you should talk to both of them." Dawn and the other woman's name was Tasha, and he did. And when I got to South Carolina, they had an amazing throws coach there named Larry Judge. And he just coached me, like, literally from the ground up. Like, I went from scoring one point my freshman year at conference to scoring, like, I think 26 points my junior year and winning the commissioner's trophy. So, literally, we worked from the ground up. 
and the hammer throw was going to be introduced into the NCAA in 1996. So maybe maybe 90, end of 94, into fall, fall of 94, into 95, we started training it, and I qualified to compete in USA track and field in the national championships. It was an exhibition in 1995, and I won that one, and that's when they officially, I think, don't quote me on this. It was officially going to be introduced to, in 96 to the NCAA, and we started training it as my primary event then. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so is that because the I, I, I know nothing about the hammer throw and most of track. I was a baseball player, okay? Uh, so I always try to wrap my head around athletes and how they – and how they uh, – you know, get involved in their sport, how they train in their sport, what is normal, you know, like you'll see guys, uh, track and field stars, for instance, sometimes decide to start playing football and they become really good football players. You can't just pick up baseball late in your life and decide mm -hmm. you're going to be a really good baseball player. It doesn't work like that. So was that normal f uh, it, with what you became, how, how successful you were? Like, was your story very, very unique or is this something that happened often or? I think that it, I think that it can happen often. Like I did throw a shot put in discus since ninth grade and then went into college. So that usually is how that happens. Okay. The hammer at that time was so new for everyone in the late nineties that it could have happened to anyone. I just stepped up. So it happened to me. <laughs> oh man, that is, that is. So what was South Carolina like when you, what was it like for you, for instance, when you moved to Columbia? Um, you know, the the culture compared to growing up in the Long Island area of New York, mm -hmm. and and what was the program like? the The athletics department. Uh, we know a lot of football players and baseball players from that time, but you know, from your perspective, you know, the facilities. Just kind of describe that whole experience. Mm -hmm. When I go, I went back in 2022. I had my jersey retired in 2022, and I went back and saw the facilities, and I, they're unrecognizable to me as right. a freshman in 1992. Now I'm aging myself. <laughs> but, you know, it was, a, it was a total culture shock moving from Long Island, New York, to Columbia, South Carolina. Um, living in the nor nor New York, moving to the South was a bit of a culture shock. And then I don't think I realized the level or the magnitude of like SEC athletics and how good you had to be to compete until maybe the end of my freshman year, like a Harley walk, because we were training <laughs> really, really hard. And, um, and understand that when I got to South Carolina the fall of 92, I think it was the first year that we competed in the Southeastern Conference. So yep. the school yep. was like uh, the university and the athletics department was growing at the same time. So I kind of got to be a part of so many firsts. And I'm so thankful for that. So training was different. Um, living on campus and being a freshman in college was different. Um, going to class was different. You know, having to manage myself without my parents there. What what most college kids deal with and then add five hours of practice to that every day. <laughs> Did, did you live in the roost? No, it wasn't a co-ed dorm then. I lived in Bates Bates House. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember, yeah, Bates was. Well, they've torn it down now. I think. I think, I think it's gone. I think they I tore think it down. So. They're building that whole new group over there, right? Yeah. I think so. And we used to train in the bubble. Which I was, was about to ask. Yeah, that's where I was right. going next. Yeah. 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 The bubble. <laughs> What an interesting place back in the day, right? Because uh, you had track and field, um, you had batting cages, football, tennis. 
<laughs> you remember how they like they somehow ended up cramming all of this in there. Like, Everybody trying to practice at the same time. That's right. <laughs> One indoor facility to like, rule them all. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you didn't you didn't know when the hammer throw was gonna take you out while you know you're just going through running back drills or you know, you know, some you know, softballs over here taking BP and you know, someone's trying to retrieve a tennis ball behind them. I mean, there was just and so cheer was in there as well. Cheer was yep. in there at the same time we were tra- training too. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember uh, Don when they, um, when I was coming up and we would go to baseball camp and, uh, and you, so you'd be down at the Sarge and then you'd always have, um, you always had some, t- something going on in the bubble where you'd have to go up in there for some type of workouts during that week of camp with the Gamecocks. And, but the way that coach Tanner had designed it was you would do all this stuff on the field and then you had to walk up, you know, and that was like the worst walk in the world. You're like, Oh my God, man, I'm dead. And it's, it's 103 degrees. And it's hundred <laughs> percent. Like was that had to be again, you know, I, I know that New York does get warm in the, in the summer, but I mean, being did you ever spend summers in Columbia? My senior year, yeah. Between my junior and senior year, I spent the summer in Columbia. And it's so funny to talk about my major is journalism. I remember like walking. I lived downtown in like this apartment called Con- Con- Cornell Arms. It was yeah. like right where the old Burger King used to be, right across from Long Street Theater. And I yep. would walk all the way to um, the the Roundhouse, which was on. Uh, the opposite side of campus, past the roost, on past Rosewood. the track, on Rosewood. And I remember being so hot walking to and from yeah. that internship <laughs> to write athlete bios. I uh, I do remember that. <laughs> we Just, all had to pay our dues. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that uh, they've improved the setup greatly. Okay, so I don't want to skip over things here ever, you know, I, it, but you know your career better than me. So anytime you need to interject and you say, hey, you missed something, you, you get in there and do it. I mean okay. – but 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 you represented Team USA yes. in the 2000 Olympics. Um, describe that experience. Anything and everything you can think of mm-hmm. to describe it from from the athletes that were also representing Team USA that you got to share time with to those that you competed against. Uh, just walk us through that moment in your life. I I I could not fathom going through such a thing. Can fathom it myself now. Twenty twenty years, twenty three years later. I think when you're, um, I'll give you some perspective. Like there are eight hundred Olympians for the United States every four years across all sports. Mm-hmm. Eight hundred. That's it. Yeah, the whole United States of America every four years. The, the uh, uh, Summer Olympics, right? So I'll give that. That gives you one perspective, but you don't realize it. Like twenty five years old, like how awesome that is right yeah and then you think about being in a village with every other country's best too right so you're working around you're just hanging out with people who are like gold medalists professional professional at the top level in their sport and that's everybody that's there everybody that's there so it was just uh i didn't realize what it was then but i realized how significant it, it was now I really do realize that. Then I think for any athlete that's training and competing, like winning, being successful, breaking records, winning championships, if you're training hard and you're putting in the work, it's never a surprise to you because that's what you're training for. Like you're not training to come in second place. I mean, you're training to win every time you get out there, every practice, even like 
every practice, you know, you got to study to keep your grades up so you can practice. Like all of that <laughs> is part of the whole plan. So when you're following that plan and you're implementing the plan and you're doing it, you don't, um, you don't ever think it's a realize the magnitude of it when you reach that goal until you look back on it as an athlete. That's my take as an athlete. So I'm sure like if you have student athletes that are at South Carolina right now and the football team wins the SEC championship, women's basketball wins the national champion, men's basketball goes to the national championship. They don't think it's, it's not a surprise. Right. You know, because they're training for that. It's not a surprise. It's when they look back on it 10 to 15 years from now when they have to be adult all day. Like you said, already adulted too much. Yeah, I've already adulted. They have to adult right. every day. They look like <laughs> so being an Olympian is like, I, I can't, it's like, um, it's very special and always be significant to me. Who who was the flag bearer that year for Team USA? Don Stanley. I think it was Don Stanley in two thousand. Was she two thousand? I have to I have to confirm that. I think it was Don Stanley in two thousand. Did, did you know Don then? I didn't know. I didn't know her then, but I sure okay. uh, snuck in and got a picture. So I do have a picture of us together at the Olympics in two thousand. <laughs> really, oh, that's great. That's what? great. That that is so interesting because now I mean obviously she is. Uh, we mentioned this during basketball season, Phil. We were talking about. I, I think that. You can make the argument in basketball, the greater game of basketball, not just college basketball, but including the NBA. Dawn has a case for being the face of the sport right now mm-hmm. um, with what she has achieved and um, and the things that, you know, she fights for and, and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, Dawn Staley back then, you know, did not have an additional 23 years on her resume of all these things she's achieved so I, I, I just find it interesting as like a fellow, fellow athlete of hers, you know, y'all were peers, like how you viewed Dawn Staley in 2000 based on just what she'd achieved at that point in time and what really had only been 10 years. It was really just the start of her professional mm-hmm. career. Right. Well, you think about like, um, I remember Dawn, like we can't make light of just that she was 10 years in and she was already one of the best in the world, just 10 years in. Right. right. It takes people a whole lifetime to master their craft and be the best at something. So just 10 years in, she was already the best. And I remember living in Columbia when we got back from the Olympics. I think she was at that time playing um, in Charlotte. And I remember them, um, the Olympics, like in the, the Olympians in North Carolina and South Carolina, they brought them to a, I think it was the Stings, Charlotte Stings basketball game and recognized her. And she was like the key marquee player then. So I think like that, if that's the start of her career, if that was the start of their career, that was a hell of a jump start. Man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and she was the flag bearer in 04. Okay. Oh, four. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. four. But she was, of course, there in 2000. Okay. 2000. Yeah, yeah, they won gold every mm-hmm. year. Okay. That yeah, she right. Was, I think mean, she was. Know. I think, was it, um, I don't know who it was. Then I don't remember who it was in um, 2000 then. It says I... Cliff Meidel. He was a sprint kayaker for the was... ceremony. Outdoor? Never heard Cliff... of him canoeing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cliff Meidel. Uh, I. I don't know who that is. No offense to Cliff, but yeah. well, no yeah, oh, wait. Obviously, he was one of his. <laughs> is that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And Rulon, that's, okay, that's right. Rulon Gardner uh, was the, the uh, closing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. And Rulon Gardner, Gardner, by the way, was from Wyoming. In case anyone's yeah. wondering, um, yeah, the state of Wyoming. I think that year we had like six Olympians. <laughs> the state of Wyoming did. Yeah, and I wow. think the who I trained with, myself, Jessica Cross, Jason wow. um, uh, Gervais. Yeah, all from okay. 
So that's wow. what I was going to ask, like immediately after graduating, you know, South Carolina and then and and for for as much as we, you know, raise in prestige, the big what we call revenue sports, basketball, football, things like that. If you want to see the world track and field, apparently is the way to do it, Sure, <laughs> because right after that, I mean, you're all over the place competing in these, you know, world competitions and things like that. But did you leave directly from South Carolina to move to Wyoming and then from there just went on and you're visiting places like you know, Mallorca, Spain, you're going to Dominican Republic, you know, it's a, it, that's amazing. It's got to be, I don't know, you, you just don't get that kind of exposure, I guess, at that age, unless you're in, you know, some sort of world type of athletics like that. Yeah, I think I think that's the best part about sports. You know, when I made the Olympic team, I got a, my friend gave me a journal and it said, I'm not the same having seen the sunset from the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that sports, you know, because I think it's a great equalizer. And if you're good in your if you're good at your sport, you make the team. You know, if you're good, you win the game. I think that um eliminates a lot of like um maybe like barriers for a lot of young people, you know, then they can be a part of sports and they get to travel. And I think it's the best thing in college sports. Now you see a lot of teams taking European trips and going all over the country, seeing places they've never seen. And I love how each coach begins to take like an educational part of their um, trip. So the kids can go see, go see different sites, go learn about different cultures, learn different languages. I think that's the best part about sports is the people that you meet in the, in the travel, you know, the competition is going to be there. I mean, right. if you're training hard, you can compete in Columbia every single weekend and win. But when you get to go to Florida, I mean, Arkansas, Auburn, I mean, that's Alabama, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, you know, those some people never get to go out of their state. Some people never leave their town. So sports really does open doors more than just the competition. Um, it's, it's really when you think about it, it's really, really broad. It opens the world to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just reading everywhere that you have competed. Paris, the Dominican, uh, Brisbane, Australia, Edmonton, uh, Sydney, Spain, uh, Italy. I mean, this is crazy. Is there anything? Winnipeg. Know, yeah. it, what, what stand, is, there, is there one, like one, uh, not, not necessarily the, the event or, or the games, but like is there one part of the country that you'd like to maybe get back to someday from your experience there? You know, my favorite place that I visited was um, Switzerland, and I ha- and I'm a little bit biased. Like most countries that have um, that do have English, like speak English or like an English alphabet, are far easier for me to travel because I can like read the translation. So, but if the alphabet is not an English alphabet, it's really hard for me to manage. <laughs> so, the easiest place to navigate is Paris because the whole subway line is color coded. So you just kind of memorize oh. you, where, where you start and where you want to finish, and you can get there. <laughs> the most fun I've had is um, in Switzerland. We there was a, a track meet that was specific to throwers. It was called. It was during like the Zurich like um, Grand Prix. It was called World Class on Rhine. It was on the Rhine River in Switzerland. And the gentleman who organized it, he owned a, like a small castle in Switzerland, <laughs> and he invited the throwers to stay there. So it was just an amazing wow. experience. It was what was one of my favorite trips every year? I got to go on that trip was like the best. It was a real castle. Yeah, a real castle. And you, oh my God, well, I've never, 
I couldn't imagine. No, small. A ca- it wasn't like a, the Queen of England's castle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but it was a castle, though, though, right? Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it was yeah. an amazing experience. He treated us well. Like it was an amazing experience, and it was a few different throwers from the U.S. that got to go and stay, and it was just an amazing experience. What? Where have you been that has the best food? Um, I probably had the best food in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I can see that. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I probably had the best tasting, most seasoned, like, uh, yeah, food, like spiciest, kind of like the food in the Dominican Republic. Oh, I, I thought you were going to go with like Paris or. Or maybe like um, Catania, Cis- Catania Sicily. Could... Oh, Sicily, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would, okay, now that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I get impaired with some good wine or something yeah. over there. I'm sure you. Well, I was training, so I wasn't. I can't. Yeah, okay, Jamie, easy on the wine. I was oh, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but your but your return trip, you're not training anymore. At least that we're aware of. So <laughs> you, you you can get back there. So um, and we'll we'll wrap up here with you, Phil. If we're over by a couple of minutes, I know you've got some things to get to. But if we're over by a couple of minutes, are we okay? On time. Oh, of course. Just yeah, a couple. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you don't get to speak to many Olympians, so it's pretty. Oh, I mean, it's the first one we've had on our show, so I mean, you know, <laughs> we're not going to cut down short. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, when, whenever we do uh, get with Coach Staley, she'll be the second Dawn that we've spoken to that's an Olympian. There's something about those girls named that's, Dawn. Yeah. I know, right? That, that will right. probably be the first time she's ever heard. You're the second Olympian Dawn we've had on our program. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but all right. So, uh, with what you're doing now as, um, assistant vice chancellor for athletics communications and senior associate athletics director at Vanderbilt, um, you were formerly, again, according to the information I've got out at California state university, Northridge as the associate associate athletics director of marketing, branding, and fan development. Mm -hmm. So I could kind of tie all this into one simple question. College athletics has changed a lot Mm -hmm. uh, over the years and specifically a lot over the last couple of years. Describe your experience for us and your job in college athletics as you know it now versus how how you knew it then. Oh, wow. As I knew it then, if um, I don't know if I knew when – Outside of the sports information, we had a great SID when I was in college. But outside of sports information and my coaches, I'm not sure I touched any other administrators on campus, mm-hmm. right? And I think as an administrator, um, I was I think I worked at some small schools, like um, well, not South Carolina was not a small. That my first job in college administration was at University of South Carolina, and I was a director of marketing um, for the Gamecocks. And then I took a step and went to um, Cal State East Bay out in California, Northern California, and then Cal State Northridge. And I think the beauty of working in those small departments is you're a little bit isolated from what's going on kind of in the power of five world. Mm -hmm. So you really could focus on like the student athlete, the student athlete experience, engaging with the fans and really becoming like a thread in the community, like woven into the community. And I think now, um, I'm so happy I've had those experiences because I can bring that now to my job at Vanderbilt, which I absolutely love. And the landscape has changed. Everything is bigger, right? Everything is bigger. So I was listening to Coach Clark Lee talk about, um, he, uh, we did this uh, Commodore Caravan and he was talking about like everything he does is like bigger, faster, stronger. And that's just when you work in college athletics, everything now, not just sports, everything, the administration, 
um, all of the offices, all the communications, the marketing, the ticket sales, the facilities, everything is getting bigger, faster, and stronger. So I think that's the change I've seen. Like when I was coming up in athletics, it wasn't, it wasn't such a, um, the, the drive was just different. The business model was just different. And I think that is, um, I'm very thankful for the opportunities that I have because I can kind of, it's great for me to be able to kind of bridge that gap. You know, I, I find it just really fascinating. I, I know Coach Tanner and Chance Miller quite well at South Carolina. And, um, you know, I think that it gets lost oftentimes, Dawn, uh, with fans uh, because they look at wins and losses. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really generally what drives their conversations. But when an AD wakes up in the morning and walks in and sits down in his office, I mean – you can explain this. You 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 live in this world every day. You you see it whether you're the athletics director over everything, or an associate AD or whatever it is. You just never know what's about to hit that desk, and right. what you're going to have to deal with. In addition to being the smiling face of your athletics department and generally of the of the whole school or campus mm-hmm. itself, and um and so I just I see what these folks go through in an administration at this level. And to your point, that's a that's an amazing way to describe that. It's not mm-hmm. just your offensive line that needs to be bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, everybody in the athletics department these days is fighting in that direction as well. And I, it's it's right. it's incredible to see. Right, I liken it to I talk to um I, when I talk to my coaches sometimes I liken it to like this is a state, and each one of you is a mayor of your city. And everything that's going on in your city is your responsibility. You need to have a hold on everything that's going on in your city because all the citizens of that city are going to look to you when things go really well or when they go a little bit left. So I think that's what an AG has to think about. Like they have a state with like 20 cities in it and they have to manage all because when something goes, it could go really well and the cities get the credit. But if it goes left, the AD's gonna catch that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's people in Carolina that complain when some of the grass isn't cut. Yeah, Tanner, you know, you know, whatever. But um, yeah. like, uh, I, I think that, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, and I think that, uh, and uh, most ADs, all ADs that I know, think about like, how is this going to affect my student athletes? How is this going to affect my coaches? How is it right. going to affect our staff? And they probably think about how it's going to affect them. Last of all of those. You know, it's a it's a very um, it's a service oriented job and you have to be very selfless because, you know, you think like, well, I'm the leader of this department. It's all about me. It's never about you. Yeah, it's It's never about you. (laughs) That is couldn't be better said. Stewardship role primarily. Right. I mean, you know, very much. We learn all the time. And like when we take our training, like we go through trainings into any office, great trainings for um, upcoming athletic directors. It's always a servant leader role. Well, in addition to all of this, Don, you on Monday night will be welcomed with open arms into the state of South Carolina's Athletics Hall of Fame. Can you along that? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> no, it's great. I, I, first of all, I, again, congratulations. I, I'm sure when you hear that, it's goosebumps. And then you're going to be in this room, and you're going to look left, and you're going to look right. And you're going to see Mark Person and Joe Hamilton and Robert Brooks. And I mean, just guys that you can't believe are in there and, and gals. Mm-hmm. Um, when you got the call, what take us through that moment? You know, I was driving when I got the call 
And Andy from the South Carolina from the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame called me. I had to pull over. I was in my car and I had to like literally pull over. I was like so excited. It's just um it's just like I don't know if you go as an athlete into like you just want to do your very best. You know, you of course you want to win, but you train to just do your very best. And to have it recognized on this stage, it's just it's just so like I'm so grateful. And I feel like um, it feels good to be recognized. You know, a lot of times we won't say that. People say, oh, it's nothing. You know, oh, it's okay. No, it feels really good to be recognized. So I'm just thankful to the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame. I'm thankful to be on this show today. And to be honest with you, it feels really good to be recognized. I'm glad you said it. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it is because, you know, yeah, you feel good. You got to feel good. You know? <laughs> feel good about it yeah don't mm-hmm. hide it no it felt Absolutely. great that was the best day i've had and i don't know how long right, right. i had to pull over and scream yeah. <laughs> i remember right. like when i first started being interviewed by the media my my uh, teammates make fun of me all the time they're like um Dawn, how does it feel to win the sec championship and i was like 20 i was like i feel good yeah <laughs> <laughs> And that's okay. And that's okay, right? And that's yeah. Well, I, I I think that there's a lot to be said for that because there's so much fluff in the world now, and and there are people who are, you know, a little a little over, uh, you know, confident maybe with some of their remarks, and then there are so many. We've had coach speak for so long. This humbleness. This humbleness, this humbleness. And it's good to see some Steve Spurrier kind of back in the world. Now, you know, we're pretty good, and, and we're proud to say that. You know, that's okay. Yeah. Um, you can be gracious about it, but you don't have to yeah, be quiet. No. No, no. Well, it's uh, you're already a member of the University of South Carolina's Athletics Hall of Fame, but, but now the entire state of South Carolina will recognize you as one of the greatest athletes to ever come through the Palmetto State. It's an amazing achievement. Uh, it will be at 6.30 on Monday evening. Uh, for those that can't be in attendance, and I know that's many of you, uh, you will be able to stream it live on the Facebook page of the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame. That's how that's how we'll be watching, and uh, we will be certainly pulling for you. As uh, Craig just said in our uh, chat box here today, congratulations. I have chills. Um, and uh, I think that was in reaction to your reaction. So, hey, Craig, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On behalf of uh, about 6,500 people who end up watching or listening to this at the end of the day, um, congratulations and thank you so much for being a part of our program. I know we kept you way longer than we were supposed to, but you've you kind of earned that. That's okay. I'm gonna have you write me an excuse note for my next um meeting. I'm missing. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's, right. that's right. Sorry. I guess I should have asked you if we could stay over instead of. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, you Thank just you let them me. know you're only going to be inducted into this Hall of Fame once. So, uh, you know, th- th- right now, this is what matters. But um, uh, congratulations. And uh, we will be in Nashville soon, I think, Phil. So um, if all holds suit, we should be up there in July. And um, okay. I'll so. Be here. We'll be in touch with you. We'd love to see you. Okay. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great Thank day, you. guys. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. You too. There you go. Don Ellerby, one of the greatest athletes ever at the University of South Carolina. And that, nine minutes overdue, is all she wrote Man. for our Wednesday afternoon Inside the Gamecocks, this show, as our lovely, relaxing, 
We were working on getting it warm. So we got to give it two more days again, Phil, because I ain't a getting in the cold pool type of guy. No, uh, you know, it's... But you got to try it out because it's so beautiful, right? You're like, ah, let's just feel it out. But that's what, you know what, Jamie, when your kids get a little older, that's good for them to do. Oh, they don't <laughs> care. a seven-year-old to jump in. Oh, yeah, because they don't care. Yeah. It's not, yeah, you don't get it accurate. No, yeah. no not at all. <laughs> they're, in, they're in the, yeah, absolutely. They can yeah. care less. I they would care if one. there was ice in that. Yeah, no, it's been three weeks since, you know, it officially turned spring or whatever. You know, she's she's been like, uh, or no, I guess after Easter. She was like, it's after Easter. We can go swimming now, right? Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. You know, like, my kids, every day they get in the truck when I pick them up from school. Dad, is it summer yet? I'm like, well, it's, yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> I don't even know why they ask. They just do. No, no. <laughs> is today summer? No. I mean, is today yeah. summer? Yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> then you get it. to hit them with the, it's the unofficial start of summer at Memorial Day. Though. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they uh, they have like tomorrow and in the morning and stuff like that confused. They're like, no, we can do that in the morrow. No, we can do it in the morning. Well, yeah, we, that's what I mean. Like tomorrow, in the morning, tomorrow. No, in the morning, no. not tomorrow. <laughs> okay. House full of women. That's what you get. Oh, I get it. Uh, <laughs> what a uh if you missed that uh, interview and you uh, just have to be checking us out right now make sure you go back and check that out don ellerby probably one of my favorite interviews i've ever done i've been doing this for 10 years um and um really really neat an olympian incredible uh so please check that out if you, if you don't mind not necessarily on behalf of us but on behalf of don tell your friends and um, and let's give her as much support as we can. Robert Brooks was yesterday. Mark Burson will be tomorrow. Uh, so really excited for that as well. JC also should be back tomorrow as long as he can get his flat tire fixed. For Phil, I'm JB. Have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. The Barndominiumco.com, one of the United States' best builders if you're in Tennessee, Georgia, or the Carolinas. See you then.